When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes rescued the Sword Coast and have decided to journey into the Underdark. But will Quinny betray Bucky and force him to sign Manny's contract? Will Juniper get more specific instructions from her scroll? Will Bud all be able to focus on finding Ranger after the recent death of his father? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. So, having decided to go seek out Ranger, everybody's best friend, as well as the stained guard who, as you'll recall, killed a bunch of people on board the McSquiggly before disappearing, you all find yourselves with a couple days to prepare. Through Bryn's sort of underworld contacts, she's managed to find a fairly secure entranceway into the Underdark. So you'll be able to move below the surface. Quinny, I feel like you would probably know the most about this, just living in sort of a criminal underworldly sense. While everyone is kind of vaguely aware of the Underdark, you've definitely dealt with some drow in your time as criminal contacts. What you know is that the Underdark is kind of a vast world that exists beneath, under, if you will, <laughs> the sort of main world of Faroon. It's known to be very confusing, a lot of caverns, a lot of sort of underground ways. If yep, you know where yep. you're going, very easy, but if you don't, it can be very confusing. There's all sorts of weird stuff down there. Britain's kind of set up a standard point where the Thieves' Guild has some connections. There's also the uh, Deep Gnomes who are down there and a bunch of other species and societies and cultures, some of whom are more amenable to strangers than the Drow. And as a result, the Thieves' Guild does have some pretty solid connections. However, they don't currently have any connections in Menzo Baranzin, which is where you've been told to head. So the information that you've received on Ranger's whereabouts is a bit of a broken telephone situation. There are reports coming out of Menzo Branson that someone matching Ranger's appearance has been spotted along with, again, a bunch of people who are fairly easy to sight. Because they've got hand marks on them? They've got hand marks on them. And in terms of strangers coming in and out of drow settlements and drow spaces, unless you're hella stealthy, you're noticed. And if there's one thing we know about our boy Ranger, he ain't <laughs> hella stealthy. No. There also seems to have been some communication and some missives sent out about a standoff at the Academy of Shadows, which is a major scientific academy under the earth. 
doing research into a variety of kind of strange alchemical things. They're fairly secretive, but every so often a tome gets smuggled out. So what the intelligence suggests is that you make your way to Menzo Branzen. If you can, endear yourselves to the drow and seek their aid in figuring out what's happened to Ranger. There's also been some talk of Xanthus, however, not in any dramatic way, if that makes any sense. So it's not like, holy shit, it's this guy. Just the name has been mentioned and as a result has been flagged by the Thieves Guild. So you have a couple days to prepare as the McSquiggly makes its way to this sort of access point into the Underdark. A lot's happened for the party over the past few days. Now that you've actually had a chance to recover a little bit and rest a little bit, I'm sure you have some questions and some things you'd like to do. So I'm going to say we have about two days in which you can do whatever you want to do before we arrive at the access point. This blank contract that I've been given, Mm -hmm. I want to see if I can find a reference to any document like this in Alan's library. Can you roll me an investigation check, please? 19. Based on your own experience with Manny and with things of this effect, you get the sense that it is a demonic contract, even though there's nothing written on it. You get the sense that it connects to something where things are written, possibly in a demonic plane rather than in your plane. So while the parchment itself will remain blank, as Manny said, he desires you to write whatever you need to on it. You get the sense that whatever signature is recorded on this scroll will be recorded on a scroll elsewhere. This is some top-level demonic trickery. The signature is binding in both contracts or yes. just the other one? In terms of the magical binding, it'll be bound to the demonic contract. Okay. Cool. So you're doing that. Juniper, what are you up to? I'm going to go into a corner by myself and pull out the scroll and a quill and some ink and just write on the scroll. Anything more specific, you can tell me, whoever you are. You write that, the ink seems to dissipate into the scroll, mm-hmm. almost like ink and water, and there's no response. There's nothing. Can you roll me an insight check, please? Yeah. Nine. There is nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. I just write again, really? <laughs> nothing? It dissipates in a slightly sassy fashion. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Juniper. Would you have attempted to write on the scroll before, do you think? I don't think so, because the scroll's always given me my next step. And this is the first time that I really feel like I have no direction. Now it just says prepare. Well, that's what I've been freaking doing the entire time. So I'm a little bit frustrated with the prophecy. That being said, it would be nice if I could find someone or even some record of this prophecy. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of books Mm -hmm. here, right? Take a page out of Quinny's book, maybe do some research, see if I can find any further indication of what's going on. Would you be doing this in private? Writing on the scrolls in private, because that's a little bit embarrassing, honestly, (laughs) if I don't get a response, like what just happened. Yeah. Okay. Okay, can you roll me an investigation check as well, please? 14. It's never called the Great Collide in any of the books you find, but you are able to find several tomes that speak of a twilight of the gods and Mm -hmm. of, of old rules being overthrown and new rules being instituted. As you start to do the research, you realize that what you thought was kind of unique to your culture was actually a fairly common idea amongst other cultures. That said, all of them, speaking of it more allegorically than Mm -hmm. literally, whereas for your culture and particularly for your clan, it was very literal. This is not hyperbole. This is a thing that is going to happen. Yeah. There seems to be an omnipresent version of this in almost every culture. Okay. But in terms of actual detail, Alan wasn't so much worried with prophecy or with ancient religion as much as the nature of magic. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, this seems to be less about the nature of magic. So it's a little bit like trying to learn history from a chemistry book. Okay. You're getting some, but it's more footnotes and cryptic. So you've made a bit of progress, but not much. Then I'm going to contemplate on it and practice my pan flute. Quinny, as you continue to kind of look through the books, there's just kind of a... Practicing your pan flute while I'm trying to read. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. I but will pointedly that... slam a book shut and go to my room. It's just... <laughs> it is just that pan flute song from Kill Bill. Oh, over God. and over and over again. No, I slam more books than I need to take with me shut <laughs> and leave the room. Butthole, you've been uncharacteristically quiet. What have you been doing during this period? Having killed my father, which is sort of, you know, life goals. Uh, <laughs> but, like, like, you don't, I didn't know where to go after that. And I still don't really have a whole hell of a lot of answers because I don't know my mom very well and I don't know the world very well. I don't know how his death affects things. Also, it's a weird thing, but like I was expecting a lot more speeches. My dad was usually a speech guy where I wanted to have that like final confrontation and I, I imagined a thousand things I would say and instead I was in the wrong costume and got trapped under a table. So it didn't quite go the way I'd fantasized about. Do you want to relive that and tell him what you'd tell him? I don't even know if I would have been talking about this. <laughs> Oh, okay. Just like the Judah of Butthole sitting there staring off into space. Then Juniper walks by with a baseball glove and I'm thinking like, Hello, son. Looks like you could use some closure. We'll just say that happens. Uh, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> on two separate occasions. One with Juniper and yeah. then Bucky also coming Yeah, by. and I, I sit there and Juniper goes by and I'm just like... No, he was he was a hockey guy. <laughs> like, so there's no objection to any other part of it, but just the softball means I can't possibly coach this better. Bucky hears that in the hallway and throws the football away. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. So I think what I've done is holding myself up in an unusually antisocial way, but I've taken the magic scroll that got dumped through, which I know as Ryan is a data slab, their slate or whatever we called it. Working on our different scrolls. Going through that information and at the same time, because I'm multitasking, because one is about me, and I have trouble. So whenever my brain gets stumped trying to figure out my mom's mystery or whatever the hell is in that document, I've also got a pamphlet and I got a collection of necromancy books that I'm secretly researching how to take Quinny away from Manny that I can't tell Quinny I'm doing or do in front of Quinny because then Manny will know. So I'm doing that. So it's just like a lot of that and coming out for meals and then seeing people, probably Bucky, randomly dressed as my dad, which he thinks is helping, but is really not helping and is just sending me into the spiral again. So each day, because I got this new ability, if we've got two days, it's called divine intervention where I can pray for assistance for specific things. Oh, joy. The odds of it succeeding are mucho low. Uh, <laughs> and the DM that tracks. And the DM decides the intervention. So oh, it's not yes. it's not rule breaking. Yum, yum, yum. Um, I have to say what I'm praying for. So I think I'm sitting there and I've probably got like my window open hearing i don't know the sea and like seagulls whatever that lame movie sound in a pirate thing would yeah be. sure sure and then that, like there's quiet pan flute in the background and slamming of books that's <laughs> it's completely kind of rhythmic it's like adding a baseline to the pan flute i have to roll a percentile dice and if it's equal to my level or lower then the goddess intervenes in some way Damn. so i am praying for a sign i'm gonna keep this one totally vague on what i should be doing so on day one because it's one per long rest the goddess answers that's very long odds but that was five <laughs> God damn it. Okay, um, so you're looking out the window, seeking meaning in the world. Everything seems so bleak. And then all of a sudden, just beneath the water, you see a massive gray shape. And slowly, it breaches majestically. And you see a whale who's neither undead nor nor monstrous. And the whale just blasts water out of its blowhole. And it makes kind of a sound. <laughs> and you remember that other creatures can fart from other places too. And that even in the darkest of places... There's still a little bit of joy and a little bit of farts to go around. 
And I, th- I think, weirdly, this gives you a, a sense of hope that maybe you've been looking at the world a certain way, but perhaps you could look at it a different way, that perhaps there's other ways of considering things. If a whale can fart out of its mouth, what can you accomplish if you widen your worldview? And then the whale sinks back beneath the ocean and goes back to being a whale. It has some great adventures, but you'll have to subscribe to Patreon to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it won't be there, but you'll, you'll have to should it's it It's a different Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tom's <laughs> very personal Patreon. Slash Free Willy Faerun. <laughs> So realizing that and realizing that, oh man, every queef is a part at the heart of it. I dive back into reading the information about my mom's history and I I realize two things. One, I can have closure with my real dad if I can find someone like not Peter Baelish who can make the dead come back. (laughs) And two, what if my mom isn't that bad after all and just my dad was terrible? Because reading the story, she's just like some dickhead's assistant in a world of dickheads, because I don't understand any of the technical parts of this document. (laughs) So I'm building my own fantasy realm in my head that's much more comparable. And I'm like, oh, if everyone's evil, then she was there. And then she started her own thing. Maybe she wanted to be good. And then she got backstabbed, so she came here. But the problem was she needed a partner, and she just got a dickhead partner. So she's never had, like, a nice person. Maybe she doesn't know her kid is nice and that the world is nice. So I got to like bring the niceness to this. And I like look at my signet ring and it's like a fist covered in blood or something really fucked up for a con. I'm like, but if you take the glove off of that fist, that fist can like pet a dog or like pet your cheek really nice. Double cheers so, like snare still snare has a fist. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, or it can just like look you in the eyes and say like, I, I love you, Bob. I'm proud of you. And you were everything I hoped for. See, I feel like and then I can say too I, much onto this fist. Now. I, I, I'm holding my fist up in front of my own face being like, I love you too, mom. It was dad. It was the problem. And she's like, yeah, Bob. And then we hug. And then it's just like me hugging my fist quietly in the dark, falling asleep with new, perhaps false hope for the future. Which incidentally, isn't that different from how you would fall asleep as the forsaken? It's shifted now because it's a position I used to have nightmares in. And now it's a position where I can see hope for the future. So I've realized I have to save my mom from the corrupting influences that have surrounded her. So I burst out to the group and I'm like, all right, I figured it out. We got to save my mom because she's a good person in her heart. What? What? I prayed. And I read the book and I was like, I don't know about this, about this lady, because she sounds like she could be pretty mean. But I prayed and then a whale farted. And I realized that everything farts, which means at the core of all of us is a fart. And what are farts? What book did you read? Joy. The farts are joy. Exactly. And you know who doesn't have joy? Evil people. Which means at the heart of her is joy, which means at the heart of her is light. (gasps) Oh, that ties you in. Oh, yes. So one day... We got to go and save her from this corrupting influence so that she can help everyone else in a car be like good people. And then they can all praise Moonhammer, tie that in. Thank you, goddess. And f- fucking nailed it. Um, I see your hesitancy, Quinny. No, we're, we're going to spread joy and light. I slam my fucking book shut and go to my room. <laughs> but yeah, so he's just kind of lazily swinging in his hammock trying to fucking read these books in peace without having someone tell him that his for sure evil mom is a good person because she farts. Like, <laughs> we don't have time. Like, how much time do we have? Yeah, two um, days. Yeah, we don't have two days is not enough time to unpack all that fucking... <laughs> so I, I've also, as I've been talking with Juniper outside, I'm very excited because I think proving that Ranger is a good person will clearly demonstrate that people who do evil things can be good people because the stained and Ranger murdered everyone on the ship, which is evil, but at the core, they're good. So if we can change them back, then Quinny will have to agree that my mom is a good person at her core. 
So -hmm. that's like my plan. So it combines everything sort of all together. I'm feeling much more positive about the future, though I still feel kind of weird about my dad. We're on to the second day. So I'll give you each one more sort of major action. Butthole, how are you feeling about all this vessel of the God business? I guess if you don't understand the tech stuff. Well, I think I'd understand the concept though, which is they don't have God. So they made me to put a God in. Mm -hmm. So then they could like kidnap a God. Confused and like disappointed in a way. Because I'm like, oh, was I not good enough to have a God in? So now I just like work for one. Did I let them down? Is that why they were so mean? Because I think there's the reality of being an incredibly abused kid is you always are just looking for approval and looking for fault, even though you shouldn't be. Mm. It's almost like Butthole's nice to everybody because no one was nice to him. (laughs) And it also makes him realize that the hunt for him won't end. Mm -hmm. And it is like darkest heart of hearts that he would probably not even acknowledge to himself. He still sort of knows that if thing with his mom doesn't work out where his mom is good, he probably has to kill her so he can't be used as a weapon against Moonhammer. Mm-hmm. So he's going to triple down on the idea that his mom can be saved because the other possibility is so dark he cannot handle it. Right. He's done with the data slate. There's too many question marks there that are too scary. So he'd spend the day all in on necromancy and how does he yank a demon out of Quinny and all that jazz. Is this an intellectual pursuit for you or kind of a... I think it's always a gut pursuit, which is like, how do I cobble together the moon hammer way to yeah, do okay. it? Okay, so then religion would be good, thanks. Yeah. 11. Necromancy and moon hammer power don't quite gel largely because a lot of necromancy is around the idea of bringing dead people back as your slaves rather than just bringing them back so they can be healthy and happy. Hmm. I would say, similar to Juniper, based on your role, you haven't quite cracked it yet. It hasn't gotten worse for you. It hasn't gotten better for you. It's about even, but you're making progress. Quinny, what are you doing for the second day of travel? Given the revelations of my research yesterday, is there anyone in the crew who knows about the occult? The Thieves Guild employs all manner of people. The one catch with the Thieves Guild is you're basically dealing with people who were more interested in personal gain and stealing things than they were in being experts in whatever profession they were in. Mm. So there are definitely mages on board. Think of them as the rogue equivalent of wizards. It's like the mob doctor versus a regular doctor. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I think I would be asking how demanding is it to conduct a simple seance to speak with a demon. You enter a part of the McSquiggly that you're rarely in. As I say it out loud, it sounds like a fucking terrible idea, but let's go. <laughs> a <laughs> like, terrible idea? What could go wrong with contacting a demon with people that are not experts in well, the field? Have you met the Devlingtons, though? Like, there are good demons down there. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. 
So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Hello, friends. It is I, Reginald, local hero who's never run away or been afraid even once. I'm here to tell you how you can contribute to the Horde or our fortress or whatever. They told me I had to do this, and if I don't... I could die. So let me tell you exactly what you can get. You can get an opportunity to contribute in a way that doesn't require you to risk your life, but keeps me risking mine. I did not approve this script before I read it. Uh, Apparently, if you chip in $15 a month, you get the ability to contribute new names to NPCs and characters and locations that can appear in this show. And then some of them might be my friend. Well, that's very good. I need more friends. And some of them might try to kill me, which is just fine. Up to you. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Join today. You can contribute. Plus, there's ad-free feeds, apparently, in some kind of community. Please, just don't send scary things. You're taken into the lower decks. You find yourself in what would have been the mage's lounge Mm -hmm. um, on the Unseen Handship. And it seems to have, if anything, gotten worse. So think very much a dark lit, things carved out of bone. There is a tiefling warlock wearing a long, bright green smoking jacket, like a silk robe. (laughs) Okay. Sitting there just slowly using a stir stick to mix a drink. Mm. And he seems to be talking to himself and chuckling. Like there seems to be a really nice conversation going on. Okay. And so he finishes making the cocktail and he puts it down and then he starts mixing another drink. And he's like, oh, I know you always like the twist of lemon, so I'll be sure to add that. (laughs) I'm going to knock on the doorframe. Hello? Oh, one moment. We have guests. No, put your pants on. Put your pants on. Put your pants on. Okay, good. Okay, good. And then he quickly ties up his rope, and then he turns around, holding a drink in each hand, and says, welcome. Are you here for happy hour? Am I interrupting something? I was just talking to my dear friend. I'm sorry. uh, Perhaps you don't understand the warlock ways. And then he kind of looks at you. And winks. And as he winks, there's a little puff of red vapor off one of his eyes. And he grins. He says, oh, perhaps I was mistaken. I think you understand exactly what I'm talking about. He says, oh, I was just, I was just uh, speaking with my patron at the great Cornholio. Good guy. Have you met him? <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that I have. Cornholio, oh. you said. Cornholio, yes. Oh, great patron. Very, very helpful. He taught me how to make these. And he clinks both drinks. I didn't catch your name. I'm Quinny. Quinny, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Mo Dirt. Mo Dirt. Yes. Servant. Of the great Cornholio. Cornholio, got it. Um, he always wants more trademarked powers, you know, TP, if you will, because he loves it. <laughs> anyway, come in, come in, please. I'm being such a bad host. I was just, I was mixing one for the great Cornholio and one for me. Then he looks around. It's one of those instances of I have a dirty room and I'm not going to clean it. So he just kind of like edges another elaborate robe off a chair with his foot. He says, there you go. Have a seat. Thank you. And I'll, I'll sit down. Can I offer you a drink? One of those? Oh, I can make you whatever you want. Great Cornholio is, I I must admit, not as good with the Eldritch powers, but very good with the Mixological powers. Do you just have need here? I can in a moment. And he looks around, he takes a very fine bottle of wine out, kind of blows the dust off it. 
you immediately as a thief size it up and like, this is a very expensive bottle. And he turns around and an infernal yells something to the effect of, taste now! And he snaps <laughs> and a, a, what would in your equivalent be like an Eldritch Blast, shoots out of his hand, strikes the bottle, and suddenly the top cracks off and the color changes and bubbles. And you can see it, this fine rare vintage is now just stock mead. Oh it brings God, it over to waste. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. That was impressive. I mean, if there's one thing you can say for Mosifus Dirt, it's that I am <laughs> impressive. So you sit down with Mo Dirt, and you can see that he's sipping from his cocktail more regularly than his rocks and tumbler drink. But every so often, his head will twitch. He's like, okay, fine, fine, one for you. So uh, how can I be of assistance? I don't get many visitors down here. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I was wondering if you could help me contact another plane, specifically someone in hell. Oh, hell. Yeah. Ugh. Terrible plane. Awful plane. One of the worst. I, I've been. It's not great. Yeah. Oh, you've been? Mm-hmm. You hear that? And then it kind of does that weird, I'm listening to someone in my ear thing. And he's like, oh, oh, honestly, you've made the great Cornholio quite jealous. He's never been. Always wanted to go, though. Oh, well. Um, I hear it's under new management. Or at least one of the rings. Yeah, I uh, kind of helped facilitate that in a weird way. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Honestly, I've done some planar travel myself, but mostly just to, you know, vacation destinations. Honestly, the upside down land is very entertaining. What would it take to contact being there just for the sake of conversation. Well, it depends. Do they want to talk to you? Out of character, mechanically, what I'd like to do is combine my criminal contact with a seance to talk to one of the white-collar paper pushers uh, in my own personal life. Like Jim Hellbent? I was thinking Tony DeVito, just Mm. one of the guys that is there basically just doing contract language and how to really, really fuck up the language on a contract to trick someone. Can you roll me a, I uh, guess, an intelligence... <laughs> a Beetlejuice check? Yeah. <laughs> Can you roll me an intelligence check, please? This is just for... Straight int? Yep. Nine. Nine? German for no, I can't, because <laughs> nine is nothing. Nine yes. is garbage. It's good. Nine is garbage. Uh, yeah, okay, so of the people you can think of, in terms of the way they described him to you, because you obviously didn't meet him, Jim Hellbent's probably the better of the two. Okay. Mo consults with Cornholio and comes up with a solution where it basically it'll be like receiving a phone call from an unknown number. So if he chooses to answer the phone, then you can speak to him. However, it's very easy to dismiss because it's hard to grab the attention of hellbound people. Okay, cool. What I'd basically like to know from uh, Mo Dirt, is this something that I can do on my own? Will I need assistance? What are the ingredients or incantations or whatever required to conduct a seance then? He suggests a couple things and can you roll me an arcana check? <laughs> Four. So he starts suggesting things to you, and it's a little bit like if you don't cook and someone is explaining the various ingredients you need for a recipe, mm. where you're just kind of nodding along for a little bit until you realize you stopped understanding words a few minutes ago. Yeah, so he kind of pats you on the back and says, it's all good. We all need to start somewhere. I mean, I used to not even be able to turn things into mead. Can you imagine? He decides to offer you his assistance, and he'll basically facilitate You'll still be driving the ship, but he'll conduct the ritual. Yeah, he does suggest that if there's any additional assistance you need, you should seek it, because he doesn't have huge faith in your abilities based on that role. Thanks, Modert. I, I appreciate that. I'll probably take you up on that. And oh, I'll, uh, I'll, thank you very much, Quinny. I'll also. cheers him, and I'll uh, down my mead and take my leave. As you start to go, he goes, oh, and by the way, I, this is so rude. Cornholio has been on my case about this. Who's your patron? You ever heard of the one of many faces? His face falls. He says, is that who you're trying to contact? No. He nods more somberly and says, okay, very good. I'll I'll see you soon. And he closes the door behind you. Yeah, okay. When you open the door, he's hanging. (laughs) (laughs) His laundry. 
That's okay, Laura. Juniper, what have you been up to on day two? I would like to be prepared to communicate with or befriend or otherwise deceive the people we're going to meet when we reach the Underdark. So knowing that I can perhaps prepare a different persona, I want to look into the creatures that we're going to be meeting down there. So Juniper, thinking through your current personas, having never been to the Underdark, this is a pretty far removed area from where you're used to. Based on what Quinny's told you and what you've ascertained, you get the sense it's a very secretive society and your best bet would probably be to sort out a persona on site rather than sort one out here. Largely because if they're as secretive as they seem to be going in as a drow would likely leave you in a situation where you'd be completely outclassed. that's fair. That said, in the time you're taking to prepare, you're able to read up on the physical traits and light personalities of the most common denizens of the Underdark. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I'll give you advantage on your attempt to change into one of these things. Okay. And I also, I knock on your door. Juniper, can, can I just ask like a quick question? Yeah, of course. So you like turn into other people. And I mean, you said you turn into my dad, but I don't think that's healthy. And I think there's a high risk of me hitting you with a hammer. And that's probably not good for either of us. But like you you were a little girl and you were an old dwarf, I think. And Mm -hmm. you were that goblin that one time. Like, is there like a therapist in there? Not a therapist, but hmm, let me think. Was there an older woman maybe in your life sometimes that was really kind to you? Yeah, her name was Martha, and then she died. I can't be Martha, but... But could you be? And then I take out a <laughs> scroll, and I draw a picture of Martha, and it looks real bad. You say, how good are you at art? <laughs> no, it looks I... it looks vaguely like what scary stories okay. you tell in the dark. Like, oh, it's Jesus. like vaguely aproportional and spooky, and I'm like, this is her. Can you okay. look like her? And I take the parchment, and I turn around, and I do the best I can to match what he's drawn. <laughs> Try to translate it into three dimensions. Incidentally, Martha was a drow, so based on your research that you've just been doing, this is I can put- slightly easier than you thought it would be. All right. I won't be parchment colored. <laughs> I'll be drow colored. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I reveal myself. Martha! Ooh. Okay. Are you a therapist, Martha? Like, I just started dealing with Martha as <laughs> though she's just Martha again. Yes, I am, butthole. Tell me, what's bothering you? Martha, I got to catch you up on what's happened since you died. And I just walk Martha through everything that happened since she blew up in the lab and my discoveries. And I'm like, why, why did you make me? If you had to guess why I made you, what would that guess be? Because you were told? Perhaps. Why do you think you're here, butthole? Because I need your help, Martha, because I'm sad. On this earth, why are you here? To trap a god so my mom can steal them to a different dimension? Let's put aside our current predicaments. Let's imagine that all of our troubles are gone. Why are you here? Wait, just my troubles or everyone's troubles? Everyone's troubles. Oh, just fart a lot and then die. <laughs> <laughs> like in one moment and one finite, just okay. fart until you're dead? Well, that's... <laughs> I mean, I want it to be a long fart. I got to do the goddess that's proud. That's very joyful. And that's a wonderful tribute to your goddess. Thank now, you. Now, let's bring back the problems of the world, not your own. Okay. Just the problems of the world back into the scenario. You okay. fart, experience joy. Yep. But before you die, what? I got to help good people... Stay good. That sounds like a wonderful goal and a wonderful approach to life. So does it matter why I brought you here? 
I can tell you want me to say no. <laughs> Seems like a good time for a roll. Uh, so let's roll opposed checks. Juniper, I'm going to give you those two opposed wisdom saves. The two wisdomiest wisdom okay. motherfuckers who ever wisdomed. Five. Eleven. <laughs> Even though Martha is speaking things that make mental sense, they make brainy sense. Heart is still sad and, and full of existential horror about the idea of your personality being driven out by a god who becomes shackled in your flesh. You know what, Martha? This has been a good session. I think I'll come back next week. I don't want to take more than my hour. Uh, <laughs> and I just get up and leave. But on the way out, I realize as I've talked to Martha and the idea of having a god inside me and driving me out, but I don't know how much is driven out. I don't know. I have to open that data slate once more. Because I want to find out if there's a way to trap a god or perhaps a demon inside me and use my body as like a supermax jail <laughs> to just <laughs> trap them. So as you walk out, Goblin Jr. comes in behind you and plops down on the couch and is like, snarf, snarf, and proceeds to uh, start another therapy session. With- I open my notebook <laughs> to the next page. <laughs> Dr. Martha. <laughs> cool. So, Butthole, what kind of information are you specifically looking for? Like how to use the vessel? I know that being a vessel is a possibility, but I'm not sure the limitations of what a vessel is, whether I would just be a god trapped in my body but with no powers, whether it would be me fueled by a power of a god. Is there a way to essentially, I don't know, put a stupid gem in my body or whatever, and that holds the god? Can you roll me, please, an arcana check? Nine. You definitely see a lot of reference to being a vessel and that sort of thing. The problem is, as someone who goes on gut instinct and intuition rather than book learning, this is a pretty book learning problem. So... You get the sense the information is there. You just don't quite grasp how to access it. So you might need to go to someone for help. God damn it. I need fucking Alan. (laughs) It's the first time I've missed Alan and not blamed her for what she's done in a lot of ways. But I'm realizing now there are complicated things behind everyone. I mean, I'm new to therapy, but I think therapy might be really good for Alan. (laughs) So with that, you sort of get the warning claxtons and all that sort of stuff. The ship docks and you're able to make your way down into the Underdark. So sometime later, you are deep underground, having passed through a fairly innocuous crack in the earth and following dark passages down. At first, it seems for all intents and purposes to be kind of natural caverns and and that sort of thing. But it quickly becomes apparent based on how easy it is to make your way through that this is a very carefully constructed passageway, that it's meant to look completely natural, but that it's not. Think the way Batman worked out the Batcave, so it's like, oh no, it's just nature, but it's very easy for me to come and go. I don't have to spend each time being like, where do I put Mm. my feet? Is it well lit, or is it pitch black, or what's the balance? Um, At this point, there's still some sort of natural light filtering in, but it's getting increasingly darker. I'm going to say at some point you will need to switch to either dark vision or to light sources. So how are you doing that? I reach into my pack, and I'm like, I always forget that I have these, and it's the goggles of the owl that when they got repaired now look sort of like like Elton John's glasses on the poster of Rocket Man. Like there's just a lot of glittery stuff off to the side. So, I, But I don't know what other people, can you guys see in the dark? No. Do you have two of those goggles? <laughs> I have devil sight. Well, so it's just me. So much for the goggles then. And I put them back. I could just put a hand on your shoulder and do my best. We can just see. So I reach out and I cast Moonhammer's Light on Juniper. I'm imagining you've oh. got a weapon or something that you're holding. I do. I have my longsword. I'll cast it on your longsword. And that means your longsword projects bright light for two 20 feet and dim light another 20 feet. 
And it is the color of Moonhammer's fart fire that is projecting from there. Is that like a blue light? Bluish flame, if yeah, you will? Like, yeah, blue yeah. flame with yeah. like purple edges. Like, oh, it's got a little okay. bit of a little string. Like the first 20 feet is blue, and then the next 20 feet is purple. Like, yeah. And then, and then it goes to black. That's cool. That'll happen for the next hour, and I can extinguish mm-hmm. it if I want to. Or you can cover it. Like, if you resheath it, it'll just be the blade, so the light will go out. You can do my dagger instead. <laughs> sure, and then I take it off the sword, <laughs> and I put it on. And I'm, I, it's with it's the just same, easier to cover. With the I wasn't same expecting physical this. tone of me right now like oh fine picky picky uh, and i cast it on her dagger billy fingers is actively strumming his fingers on the cave floor yeah i feel the same way and then i take out moonlight bringer and i just make it light up because it can light at the brightness of a torch just with me holding it now the passageways is very well lit i have a quick question yes sir does our party consist of both quinny and bucky or should i put um, my good boy to bed our boy bucky's probably staying on the mcsquiggly right. that's fine he doesn't like the dark he sleeps with the nightlight this is too spooky for him but um, he, he would be brave though he would be brave but do you know what he knows we've got you we told him that if anything happened juniper could turn into bucky and then we'd feel safe yeah i mean quinny can't yeah. be near bucky right now anyway like that just would fuck him up so, <laughs> so it's, it's you who shot it down yeah yeah, yeah. Bucky's so like let's... ready to go and he's like no you're not <laughs> you, you just told us that he's sick <laughs> yeah. bucky is convinced that the party is sick so he just keeps bringing soup to everyone's door just pouring it under the cracks like <laughs> leaving it you won't people. open so <laughs> drink up our rooms are going to smell so bad. Today's clam chowder. Oh, no. Yeah. Clam chowder, the most bucky of suits. <laughs> Okay, so smash cut back to the winding tunnels. With your light, you've got Goblin Jr., you've got Billy Fingers, and you're kind of making your way deeper into the abyss. When you come out after traveling for quite some time, following the directions you've been given, you walk through a crack in a wall into a massive cavern full of stalactites and stalagmites, all lit by a massive stone pillar carved out of natural stone that goes from the ground all the way to the roof of the cavern. Seems to be about halfway lit with a pulsing red light that casts sort of a dim gloom on the city. You can see sort of a lot of ethereal purple flame and massive spires in the distance. You can kind of see what looks to be a rich quadrant kind of up up on a cliff. And you find yourselves in the famed city of Menzo Baranzin, one of the main drow cities here in Faerun. As you approach the gates of Menzo Baranzin, you're immediately met by two drow guards they both wear long cloaks. Their skin is obsidian, red eyes, and all of their body hair is, is shocked white. So mm. eyebrows, facial hair, everything is just very stark contrast to their skin. They seem shorter than elves you've met, but they walk with a dangerous grace. They seem as though any action could snap into violence and that it would likely be both beautiful and horrible. They seem to be armed with spears and small shields, the kind you would use for fast combat. So two of them approach you and declare, state your business. We're looking for someone, a few someones actually. Have you seen anyone coming through with handprints on their faces or bodies? Immediately, they drop into a fighting stance. And from the top of the gate, you see two crossbows just peek up over. And the lead guard says, the matron was right more would come. And with that, they moved to take you into custody. And I just say like, what whoa, say? <laughs> whoa, whoa, guys, we're here to stop those people and take them out of here. Even better. 
and they put their hands on your arms and go to take your gear. All right, fine. You better not break it. And then I give them the shield and moonlight bringer. Juniper? I want to try to make like, I'm actually a drow using change appearance. So I'm going to shift into my Martha therapist drow. In front of them? Can, well, yeah. Because can you, roll me, can you like, roll me a deception check? Sure. For transforming a disadvantage for doing this? In, or is it like I was a drow the whole time? It was like I was a drow the whole time. And oh, this, and my it's juniper. It's like you're taking off your disguise, yes, but you're exactly. transforming. That's the one I'm doing, Tyler. Thank you. At disadvantage? Actually, considering that you have a bunch of light sources and drow aren't great with light, I'm going to negate your disadvantage because that would have given you advantage. So that is 17. (laughs) Okay, I rolled a 13, so yes, that will do. Okay. Whoa, you were a drow? (laughs) (laughs) They recognize you. That said, they don't seem to be changing what they're doing at all. They just say, and and who are you? But I am one of you, Martha. (laughs) Okay, they definitely put you under arrest. Um, So uh, taking all three of you into custody. (laughs) It's just manacles? Not even manacles. Can you roll me an insight check there, Quinny? Seven. This seems pretty low security to you. They're just kind of... They're not cuffing us? They're not cuffing you. That is weird. Think of it it more as a escort than an arrest. They take his weapons, but they don't bind us. Yes. So there's like two really tiny, awkward people just carrying a giant (laughs) shield covered in teeth and hammers. More guards. As soon as you're through the gate, filter out and kind of fall into lockstep around you. At this point, it's reaching like a comedy routine because I just have so many throwing hammers (laughs) that I'm like taking them off of Goblin Jr. and handing them over to... It's just a classic. Here's how you know this person. Person's an assassin. Yeah. And then they're like, what about your boot? And you're like, oh, you got me. And I take Here another hammer out and give it to them. <laughs> That's why you've been walking so awkwardly this whole time. <laughs> Set a hammer in your boot. Yeah, now I walk like a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, they bring you through the streets. Menzo Branson is an incredibly fascinating city to, I think, all three of you. Mm-hmm. Um, given that it's completely subterranean, a lot of the buildings seem to be built into natural rock formations. And you can certainly see it's a very vibrant city. There seem to be mostly drow wandering around. You also see some Jurgar, gray dwarves. Uh, you okay. see the occasional sphere neblin, which are the deep gnomes, and also spiders. There seem to be a number of very large spiders click-clacking around on upper structures. You definitely see spider iconography everywhere. So I point at the spiders, and then I look at Goblin Jr., and I point at the spider on his armor, and then I like give him a thumbs up. <laughs> Snarf, snarf. (laughs) And you see him do a my man to uh, one of the spiders (laughs) and it just click clacks past him. It's also the size of a horse and uh, Goblin Jr. is like, snarf. But I'm busy saying, I want to ride one. He looks a little (laughs) sad because he knows you can never ride him. Just reminded of Yak of Goodbark everywhere I look. You hear the echoes of the words, don't look for me. (laughs) (laughs) Any one of these could be Yakim. But are they? No one's been chopped in half, so no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no dead orcs. You make your way through. You can tell that the vibe you're getting is of a town that's slightly on edge, in that people are still going about their daily business, but there does seem to be a lurking sense of tension. After some time, you're brought towards a massive structure that seems to be the seat of power. There's spiders carved everywhere into it. It's a very impressive, somewhere halfway between a temple and a palace. And you're brought up sort of a long staircase and brought in. The guards stow your gear with, for lack of a better term, the coat check room. And you're met by someone who's clearly a major domo of some sort. She's a portly drow who's wearing armor under robes. So it seems comfortable enough to move in, but definitely also meaty enough to stop a blade kind of jam. 
which Queenie, I think for you, and actually Juniper probably for you as well, mm-hmm. sizing it up from kind of a combat perspective, these are people who are used to assassination attempts. It's kind of yeah. like having Alfred be good at shotguns. Like you just, okay. everyone okay. seems armed and kind of ready. You're not sure if this is the regular state of affairs down here, but it certainly seems to be the state of affairs right now. The Major Domo introduces herself as Freyek Muknasta. Um... <laughs> And she says, I am sorry, it would seem that my accent is perhaps difficult for the common tongue. Just pronounce it as best you can. I've often heard it said as you can hear her grind her teeth. Freak McNasty. <laughs> I am Major Domo. I salute. Thank you. I am yes, Major. Major. <sighs> Your name is Major Domo? No, no the rank my name is, is Major. Freak McNasta. That's a Domo. And it's... I just bow. Freak so, McNasta. So we got, I'm just trying to So we got one person bowing emphatically, one person saluting, another person being like, what the hell's a Domo? Also, <laughs> just in a line. Goblin <laughs> Jr. is actually not doing it because he was once told that he bows to no man. That's true. (laughs) That's true. I can't kneel before anybody, guys. If that happens, we die. (laughs) So Freak McNasty takes in all three of your various gestures and you can tell that she's seriously wondering to herself whether this is just an above ground person thing or if you guys are idiots. And honestly, to her, it's kind of the same thing either way. So in the long-suffering way that only an underdark Emily could, she begins to lead you through the halls, and she explains, The matron, Quenthal Bainer, is quite excited to see that more of you have shown up. She was expecting this, but of course, with the power of Loth, she can expect all, can't she? And she kind of looks to all of you for at least polite nods. I'm like, praise Moonhammer and give her a thumbs up. Is that what you call Loth in the above rounds? No, that's Moonhammer. She's her own thing. She's like ruling one of the rings of hell right now. You can see Freak McNasty consider this. It's very much like a sideshow Bob stepping on a rake. Her shoulders rise up and suddenly she spins screaming, heretic! And tries to stab a blade into you, but also please everybody roll me initiative. Holy shit. Oh my. Nat That's 20. Holy shit, me too. Nat 20. Five. I'm giving her a surprise round, and then we'll move into initiative order. Butthole, what is your armor class? 18. Okay, then she will hit. So she drives the dagger between the neck and the shoulder for eight points of damage. And you can see rabid fanaticism. This isn't a tactically sound thing. She also doesn't move particularly quick. She's a fairly stout person, but you recognize certainly the eyes of a fanatic when you see it. Which brings us to Juniper and Quinny. You both rolled a 20. What are your initiative bonuses? Plus four for me. I am plus one. Because Quinny has the higher order, he will go first. Can I just take a quick look around at the situation? What are the other drow guards doing? The guards have drawn their weapons because you're no longer outside. They're not holding spears. So it's swords and bucklers. Okay. That said, they've dropped into fighting stances, but they aren't moving on you. They're basically just creating a perimeter for her to do whatever she is doing. Can I hold my action? When would you like to act? After butthole does something. (laughs) Okay, great. Juniper. I just want to do like a running tackle around her waist. Okay. Please roll me a strength check and I roll an opposed. Okay. Five. (laughs) So I rolled a five, but she has minus one strength. Holy shit. So it's not a pretty (laughs) tackle. It's more of a running stumble, shoulder (laughs) fall. Yeah. So I'm going to say you don't have her grappled because that roll was shit. Uh, But you do manage to knock her off of butthole to the ground. Okay. Is Um, her dagger in her hand or still in me? It's in you. The guards are up next. You can hear them say, step away from her, please, to Juniper, who's on top of her. You can see them start to move in towards you. They're still not doing anything about butthole or Quinny, but they're moving towards you. And I'll just put my hands up in like a, I'm about to cast a spell, fingers moving all weird, (laughs) and say, no. Roll me a deception check at disadvantage. 
13. So the reason you're at disadvantage is you just flying tackled someone off someone. Not exactly a standard mage tactic. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. They don't even break step. Then they keep saying, get on the ground, get away from her, step away from Freak McNasty. You mean Freak McNasty? Guards love when you're superior. That's what I say from behind you. Talk down to them. They That makes friends. Keep sassing them, Juniper. I mean, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to butthole. I want to take the knife out of my shoulder and say, one of you take this. And I just hold it out to the guards because I don't want it. Yeah, one and, of them will take it. And I'm like, is she get arrested? This was an assault. We're trying to sort this out. I don't want this to be violent. She attacked us. They all kind of look to each other as though, yep, that is what's <laughs> happening. Can you roll me a persuasion check? Nine. Even though what you're saying is true, it doesn't alter anything. And that's all I can tell you with that role. So that brings us to Quinny. Because I've dealt with draw before, and it's always been in those tense situations of like, we have what you want, you have what we sure, want. Yeah, yeah. We both had a long day. Let's get this trade done and both go home kind of thing. I will just loudly declare, hey, look, there's been a misunderstanding. My friend here has not been, and, and the bile comes up in his mouth as he's saying, being like, my friend here has not been enlightened to the truth of the word of Lolf. An innocent mistake. He's from the surface. We're all from the surface, you know, surface bumpkins. Uh, I, I just kind of throw my hands up. Like, except for like- <laughs> totally native to the Underdark, 100%. And please. the wolf. The uh, wolf is very well behaved, though. <laughs> yeah. Goblin Jr. looks very cute. Please, uh, Freyek, a thousand pardons. Can you roll me a persuasion check, please? 19. She stares at you and then stares at Butthole, who obviously isn't making any moves to attack or anything. And you can tell she's kind of on the fence. And then she looks at Goblin Jr., who's just decked out in spiders. (laughs) She kind of nods and she gets to her feet, dusts herself off and says, It is an understandable mistake for ignorant people. I shall forgive it this once. I'm going to look to Butthole like, you all right? I, I stabbed I'll be is fine. what I'm saying. You're, you're, yeah, you're I'm not dead. It's not pleasant. <laughs> I understand. And then I, a little quieter, I'm going to be like, you got to kind of keep it down with the Moonhammer stuff down here. And I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? I well, will, when have you I, not? I will. That's I admittedly, I'm a terrible liar. But I'm not going to like try to convert the insane knife woman. You need to pretend that everyone down here is an insane knife woman. That's a reasonable thing. The guards respect the insane knife woman. Here's the thing, though. I can't genuflect. Or do anything religious for Lolf because I'm Team Moonhammer. Totally get that. Just need to dial it back onto the Team Moonhammer stuff. Don't need to be pro-Lolf. Just dial back the pro-Moonhammer. I'm not going to lie, but I'll try. When have you ever lied? Remember when I was at Zarkhan Warbringer? Elaborate lie. Actually, God, that was really good. That really impressed me. (laughs) (laughs) Can you bring out Zarkhan? Can you channel Zarkhan? No. How dare and you, it's like sir. the conversation's getting louder. I'm like, okay, 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 bad idea, bad idea. No, 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 forget I said it. I just quietly say like, praise Moonhammer, and I cast Cure Wounds at level one on my, <laughs> my shoulder. Okay, so having successfully calmed down Freyk Magnasta, she continues to lead you forward, although now clearly a little more angrily. This is just a minor inconvenience <laughs> for her day. Where are you leading us, Freyk? Matron Quenthel Bainer would like a word, particularly about your stained friend. So she brings you up a flight of stairs to massive double doors that are guarded by the scariest drow you've seen to date. 
double scimitar, heavily armored. Paladin Von Drow. <laughs> yes, Paladin Von Drow. Scimitar. I was like, oh my God, it's Drizzt. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be an interesting thing to happen in the session now, wouldn't it? And, I have no uh, idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's okay. Me neither. I thought you said it was Rizza. And I was like, <laughs> it's really the Rizza. He shows, oh up, he shows up at everything. He's it's doing fair. the soundtrack for oh this adventure. God. The Underdark is ruled by the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> so the double doors open and you're led into a massive chamber that is carved from top to bottom. Every surface seems intricate, almost glittering. It's marble, but it's been carved to look like splintered spiderweb motifs. It's a massive circular platform with a throne. You can hear spiders clicking up and down the walls. Beneath the circular main platform, there's sort of ethereal fire casting kind of a deep purple glow up from beneath. It's so far down you can't see the flames, but it gives a constant purple glow around the sort of central citadel. Most notably, though, seated atop a throne that's definitely, I'm not a queen, but maybe. <laughs> you see Quenthel Bainair, currently the great matron of Menzo Branson. She is an aged drow, but carries it really classily. I think like Maggie Smith drow, in that her bearing is immediately offsetting to you, only in that she seems disappointed that you're even in the room. <laughs> so she's sitting there, but perhaps most notably of all, chained up in front of her is your old pal Ranger. And she says, finally, you've come to collect this. You can keep him. No, no, no. We're here for him. That's true. How much is that ranger in the chains? Oh, she smiles and says, <laughs> I am so glad you asked. Strong man, tiny peener. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know you somehow. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, and thanks for calling the arena. If you know your party's extension, you can dial it at any time. If your psychiatrist has gone missing, press 3. Press 3. That sounds ill-advised. Life is about choices, man. You and I both suffer from a very rare form of mental illness, right? Yep. Yep, that's us. I'm just saying, we're probably not the best private investigators, since we don't know what's real. The waitress at the Chinese restaurant, she told me that I needed to complete three trials to find Sadler. Okay, but how long have you been out of your meds? Three trials. The arena, the old factory, the inventor's basement. The inventor's basement. Exactly. Mama, I met someone today. You're not gonna believe this. Half spider, half human. You all have this disorder. We call it the imperfection. Okay, so we just got off the train at a stop called East River between East Broadway and York Street, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. We are not a cop show, Charlie. Uh, I know that, but we're friends, and I need my friends. How sure are you that these things are actually happening in real life? It seems like reality can be a little slippery. Charlie! Charlie! 
my face. Amber, Amber, stop, 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 stop it, stop These it. fucking spiders, they are everywhere. <laughs> the Imperfection, an audio drama in nine parts, produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.